हेलो एवरीवन दिस इज विकास एंड यू आर लिसनिंग टू रन विथ फिट पेज दिस इज आर वीकली शो एंड वी डिस्कस ऑल थिंग्स रनिंग द डिस्कशन टुडे इज गोइंग टू बी सोलो अगेन एंड यू वुड सी दैट इन द लास्ट सेवरल वीक्स आई हैव बीन क्रिएटिंग सोलो पॉडकास्ट इट इज विद द ऑब्जेक्टिव दैट दीज विल हेल्प यू लर्न द बेसिक कॉन्सेप्ट बिफोर वी गो ऑन टू इन्वाइट various researchers and guests who may get very technical and your feedback has been that most of the times you want to understand the concepts in rather easier way so let us get into episode number 144 and discuss something that's the very basic and that's a very fundamental of running endurance sport and performance in general i am talking about VO2 max VO2 max is generally considered the gold standard to assess cardio respiratory systems cardio respiratory functions performance isn't it most of the times we spend time getting worried in understanding how my VO2 max has increased or not increased on the watch some of the subscribers who are training with us have told us that their VO2 max continues to be the same stagnant at one point for several weeks and months and they are not sure how to go about addressing and so i thought i will pick up one component of it and we will talk about that in detail and that will possibly by the end of this conversation help you understand how you can focus on improving your vo2 max we will also talk about training methodologies that will help you improve your vo2 max in the last couple of episodes i talked about smart watches and various data points that are on smart watches and how should you make inference we also talked about some types of trainings and what are their objectives we will come back to some of those points again because we have not completed those conversations and i have completed part 1 of each of the two but today we thought we'll talk about vo2 max and a primary component of improving vo2 max today so that that all of these together start to help you understand various other training methodologies and other parameters on the smart watches that are there for you to make sense of i think let us get into details of vo2 max vo2 max has a simple formula mathematically if you want to achieve and mathematically if you want to calculate your vo2 max it simply means vo2 max is equivalent to co that's cardiac output into the difference between your arterial and venous oxygen i will pick up this point first the difference between arterial and venous oxygen why i'm saying this is because that's not the topic that we will discuss in detail today we might cover this in one of the subsequent episodes but not today the difference between arterial and venous uh, oxygen is basically from the arteries through the arteries the oxygen that's going in versus what's getting extracted through the veins that's what it means and that's the difference that we are going to talk about when we talk about the difference between arterial and venous uh, oxygen but we are not discussing that in detail here and there are reasons for it as to whether we can change that we can influence that or is it genetic or not genetic etc 
but that's not something that we'll discuss today. Also, if I discuss that more in detail, you'll see it starts to get confusing. So I'm going to stay with the equation that says VO2 max is equivalent to cardiac output into the difference between arterial and venous oxygen. We are going to talk about the first component of it, that is cardiac output. As the name suggests, cardiac output is equivalent to heart rate into stroke volume. So max cardiac output will be function of max heart rate into max stroke volume. So when we look at that further, let's understand what does it mean. Heart rate or max heart rate is the number of time that your heart can beat per minute. That's your max heart rate. And max stroke volume is the maximum amount of blood on an average that your heart is pushing, ejecting with every beat. Correct? Understood so far? So we said VO2 max is equivalent to cardiac output into the difference between arterial and venous oxygen. We said we are not talking about the second part. That's the difference between arterial and venous oxygen. So we are going to talk about the cardiac output. Cardiac output is equivalent to, when, I say, when we say cardiac output, I'm talking about maximum cardiac output, for example, is equivalent to maximum heart rate into your stroke volume. So maximum heart rate we explained and talked about within a minute or per minute on average, maximum number of times that your heart can beat. And now, every time that it beats, what's the volume of blood that it can push? So that is your stroke volume. Let us first now talk about maximum heart rate. Maximum heart rate is mostly genetic and you and I do not, we do not have a lot of control over as to if you want to say that, hey, I want to increase my maximum heart rate, I'm not sure how you can do it. So what, what does it mean? That means if you want to improve your VO2 max, one of the key determinants of that is to increase your stroke volume, isn't it? That is because we talked about VO2 max is equivalent to cardiac output into the difference between arterial and venous oxygen. Now, because we are talking about cardiac output, the more the cardiac output, the more VO2 max, isn't it? We said cardiac output can be achieved by multiplying the stroke volume into the heart rate. And here we are saying max heart rate because we want to achieve the maximum. We also just said that maximum heart rate is genetic and you and I do not have most control over it. So that means what are we left with? we are left with stroke volume. So if you increase your stroke volume, you should ideally be able to improve your VO2 max, isn't it? And who would not like to improve their VO2 max? There may be certain people who might say, hey, VO2 max increasing may not be the only way through which you can get faster. Of course, yes. We will also talk about running economy, but not today. The running economy is the energetic cost of running. So if you're going from point A to point B and your energy cost of going from point A to point B is lesser 
than the energy cost of the next runner, you are going to be more economical. And so you'll be considered that you can perform better. In the same scenario, in the given situation, if every other variable is constant, for example. But that is not what we are talking about. We are talking about stroke volume. I mentioned about running economy for a minute, briefly because this will be a question that may be coming in your mind. And this can be another topic that we can discuss in future. But we are staying with stroke volume for the reasons that we have discussed so far. If you have not understood it, or you think it's slightly complicated, I would suggest you go back and listen to it and it will start to make sense why we are talking about increasing stroke volume. Now, if you want to increase stroke volume, what do you do? If you Google up and if you start to just look at stroke volume, people might when start to think of why are you referring to just stroke volume? You would ideally want to look at VO2 max. Increasing VO2 max is important and that is what you'll search for. But stroke volume is ideally that you should be looking at increasing, improving, etc. So what do you do to increase your stroke volume? Let us start from the very start. If you are sedentary, absolute sedentary, anything that you do will help you with your cardiac remodeling. It will help you improve. It will help you increase your stroke volume. Because you have been untrained, you've not trained in any type of training that you're taking, you will see that will start to improve your stroke volume. Of course, a training should not be absolutely senseless and useless that you're not able to continue with it or you're not able to do it for a long period of time consistently. So what does that mean? If you're sedentary and you want to start improving your stroke volume, you should start by exercising. How much? How little? How many times? How frequent? Etc. Let's get into that first. So, the very first building block of that will be that you increase your endurance base. That you start to work on being consistent. So, you should start to commit to start running regularly and almost make it a daily habit where you are able to turn up almost on a daily basis and run. If running is what we are discussing then, of course we are discussing that, isn't it? So the first thing that you should do is start to be consistent. That is, start to try and see whether you can run all seven days. If you can't, try and see if you can run for all say you can run for six days a week. If you can't and you see the pressure is too much on your body, the impact is so much that you start to fall sick and you are not recovering well, etc. You are feeling signs of fatigue or you're not getting good sleep because of strenuous workouts, etc. Possibly slow down or even reduce the intensity. So slowing down is equivalent to reducing the intensity or Try and see if you can just reduce one more day from your daily workouts. So that is, can you run a walk for five days a week? But going below five days a week, you'll be leaving a lot on the table. So if you want to improve your performance and you want to get as close to running faster as possible, you would try to look at working out almost on a daily basis. If not, try to be as close to working out on a daily basis as possible. You will see that the elites, they run about 13 times a week. Only one day in the week, one time they are not running. 
And here, I'm only talking about seven days a week. I'm talking about seven sessions a week. I'm talking about six sessions a week or at least five sessions a week. So your first attempt will be, however you are working out, when you're running and walking, try to be on your feet systematically for a minimum of five days a week and try to get to seven days a week if possible. You can, of course, take rest. I'm not saying you don't take rest, but take rest when needed. Just because there is a weekly off doesn't mean you actually need to take a weekly off if you're feeling good and you see that there is a lot left in your body, there is a lot, you're recovering a lot faster, etc. You'll see adaptations will be a lot quicker if you're continuing to work out almost on a daily basis. Of course, you need to have a sense of understanding that you are recovering well and should not just feel like, okay, in the in the excitement of working out, you're just going out every day and working out, but actually you're feeling fatigued and tired. If you're recovering well, then continue. Otherwise, reduce it by a day or uh, maybe by two sessions or so, but not less than five minutes, I would say. If the purpose of your training is to improve performance to the limit that it's possible. So that's the first thing that try to be consistent. What will be the second thing? Try to be consistent, but start trying and see whether you can work out for about four hours a week in all sessions put together without falling sick, without, uh, without being um, inconsistent, etc. I would rather say you should look at getting to about five hours mark, but if not, try to see that you get to four hours mark. If you can get there, say in six weeks or so from the day you started, that's fantastic. While people say that, hey, uh, 150 minutes a week is sufficient for you to get started, and I agree with that too. But if your aim is to improve your athletic performance to the extent possible, you possibly will need to do more. So... Once you've achieved the consistency, try and achieve the number of hours that it might require on a minimum basis. So four to five hours on a regular basis per week, you should be running. I'm not talking about strength training or any other types of exercises. While they may be helping you in some ways or another, but I would use them as support, not as the mainstream workouts. Because your aim is to improve your running performance primarily, isn't it? So now try and get to four hours mark, if not five, and be there so that you are able to work out for four to five hours per week, but not falling sick, not feeling super fatigued, not feeling like, and you cannot turn up next day and work out, okay? These two things you achieve. Third thing what you get to is uh, get right nutrition, because I'm going to talk about the fourth thing once you get to that, you will only be able to achieve that if you have these three things right. If you're trying to get into the fourth step that I will talk about in a minute, too quickly or without having the base right, you will see that you are starting to have issues in terms of injury, in terms of not being able to recover well, in terms of uh, getting super fatigued, etc., etc. So third one is have the right nutrition. Of course, you will look at speaking to your sports nutritionist if you have access to one here in India, as you know. While there are, um, there are sports nutritionists and there are good ones, you will also see it may be very difficult for you to differentiate from good one to not so good ones. 
And so I would suggest INC if you have access to sports and nutrition, that's great. If not, you can look at free resources that are available on our app and on our website, and that will itself give you enough information that you can plan your macronutrients, you can plan your micronutrients, you can look at um, certain tests, diagnostics, etc., that that are required just for you to be sure that you're not deficient of vitamin D, B12, calcium, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, some of those things you can you can look at, especially the lifestyles that we live here in our country, we know that most of us in urban cities, we are deficient of vitamin D3 as well as of B12. And so we need to supplement to be in the sufficiency range. If you don't do that, you will see that your performance will start to decline, get impacted negatively. And that, of course, will lead to one of the issues that I said are the building blocks for the first two and three points. So Try and be in the sufficiency range nutritionally. Have right protein. Not suggesting a particular percentage value for any other purposes than just for you to understand that I try to get 55% of my calories from carbohydrate from unprocessed or less processed food and fruits. I will try and see if I can get about 20% from fat, good fat, and the remaining 25% from protein. You should look at, once you know your BMR, or you rather, if once you know your TDE, you will see how many calories, if you calculate in percentage value, 55, 20, and 25 will be for you in numbers. And then you can look to plan different food. And you can use any of the apps online to figure out really how much of uh, nutrition is needed, how much of... Uh, calories or other micronutrients a particular food has and in, in a particular portion that you are consuming. And that will help you get close to completion of point number three that I talked about. So I talked about consistency. I talked about minimum number of hours that you can achieve and right nutrition to support the training that you're going to undergo. Because this fourth point is going to be needing all of these three. Once you've not completed these three and you get to point four, high chances you'll come back to point one very soon. So what will be the fourth point? The fourth point is very specific training protocol to improve your stroke volume. So what will that be? There have been tons of research that have been conducted on A versus B type of training interventions and what help better than what not. And I will go through some of those for you to understand. And then I will go through which of those three, four types that we are talking about helps you the best. Okay. The first one, and if you are a runner, you will see that a lot. People talk about long, slow distance, LSD. Long, slow distance is generally your zone two training. And I've talked about it in the previous workout. Sorry, I have talked about that in the previous episode and that's why we talked about that there and that's why we're talking about stroke volume today because that's required for you to understand this episode. So, of course, LSD helps you with your um, endurance space. Of course, it, it is a great starting point for beginners, but whether that really helps you improve your stroke volume or not, we'll find out in a minute. The second point 
a second type of training intervention that has been very popular is the lactate threshold training. Lactate threshold training is the training which, actually I did it on, on uh, Tuesday, and uh, it's, a, it's a pace where you are just running below your um, lactate threshold or ventilatory threshold too, and uh, um, an intensity at which you are able to sustain for a couple of kilometers or 15, 20 minutes, and above that, you will see that you you might find it extremely difficult to be able to sustain at those levels. And uh, there are two different uh, ventilatory threshold levels, VT1 and 2. I try to be between 1 and 2 when I'm training for my electrode threshold. And uh, how I gauge it, there is no way for me to figure out than just a sense of uh, exertion. And I try to run at the pace where I can last for about 20 minutes. So instead of looking at kilometers, I rather look at number of minutes. So that's the second type of training that's been very popular in figuring out improvement in uh, stroke volume. Third one is four by four training. That is that you run really fast where you can run at about 90% of your maximum heart rate. So if your maximum heart rate is, uh, say, 170, 90% of that will be 153. So run it around uh, that particular heart rate for four minutes, and then you walk for three minutes, and you repeat that for four times. Okay? So that is run for four minutes, and then you slow down for three minutes, and you repeat this for four times, okay? Continuously, other than this uh, three minutes of uh, walk-jog interval, you do not rest further, um, but repeat that for four times. That's the third type of training that has been popular. And the fourth one, that was 15 into 15 training. That is, you run for 15 seconds, and then you slow down and walk for next 15 seconds. You run for 15 seconds, you walk for 15 seconds, and the study that it undertook, it actually took 47 times you doing this exercise. And at the end of, at the, end of the program, that uh, it tried to figure out which of the interventions uh, help you improve your stroke volume the most, the results that came were that your LSD did not do too much to improve your stroke volume. Okay? So what did but We did see that uh, the other two types did help. 15-15 and also lactate threshold did help uh, improve your, your stroke volume. But what it was shown that the maximum improvement in stroke volume came as a result of 4x4 four four training. That is, you run for 4 minutes, walk for 3 minutes or jog for 3 minutes, that is 7 minutes, repeat that 4 times, that will be for 28 minutes. Do that for, you can start by doing that for once a week in uh, one of your fast workout days or quality workout days, whatever you call. I suggest you look at including this. For example, if you start your workout on Tuesday, with an easy run, and then you end your workout on Sunday. Um, 
I'm assuming you're working out for six days a week and Monday has been your weekly off. If that's the case, um, Sunday has been your long run. You are further recovering even on, uh, um, on Tuesday a little. So your Tuesday run may be a recovery run or easy run. On Wednesday, after you have fully warmed up, you can look at including this protocol in your workout. And uh, try and do four by four where you run for four minutes at about 90% of your maximum heart rate and walk or jog for three minutes. Try and repeat it for four times. And trust me, by the fourth time, you'll be suffering. It, it hurts a lot, but it will be worth it. Once you're done with these four times uh, uh, protocol, again, um, you cool down for another two kilometers or so. So warm up is extremely important. You warm up fully and then get to it because otherwise it's possible that you might start to get strained, you might start to not be fully ready and still pushing right early, uh, very early in the, in the training. Um, but if you have sufficiently um, warmed up and then you are getting into the 4x4 four four training, it will be fun. So this research suggested that, and I'm happy to provide the details of the research in the show notes uh, if, uh, if needed, but the research suggested that the 4x4 four four saw the most significant improvement in improving your stroke volume. And if you are able to improve that, you know, as we discussed right in the start, you will be able to improve your VO2 max. And uh, if you are able to improve your VO2 max, it's understood that if your running economy is not too bad, you are going to be improving your running performance. And that is exactly what we want to run for, isn't it? Of course, there are multiple other reasons we want to be fit or we want to look leaner, aesthetic reasons, etc., etc., and that we want bragging rights that, hey, we completed marathons, etc., and on those really cool medals. But we primarily look at improving our athletic performance through training, isn't it? We want to get to the optimum best. We want to get closest to what we can perform given the environment, given the restrictions of our occupation or the way we live, and many other things, you would see that we want to improve our running performances. And uh, one of the ways that you can do is include this training protocol in, in your weekly training and uh, try this for maybe six weeks and then go and do a time trial, maybe for 10K and see how you did. I've seen actually the, I don't remember loosely, I remember whether it was for 12 weeks intervention or a little more, um, but my suspicion is that as early as about six weeks, you will start to see a difference. And one other way of figuring that could be, first, before you get onto this training protocol, uh, you take a test right in the start and then take another test, maybe six weeks and 12 weeks and uh, 18 weeks after you have started doing this and see how it goes for you. If you see that you are able to include this once a week and you're doing really, really well, and you still have some energy left, another uh, thing you can do is try and include this again on a Saturday. After Wednesday, you can include this again on a Saturday, provided on Sunday you do not have hard effort um, long runs. Either, uh, either it should be mid-long or shorter um, runs on Sunday, or they are not very intense even short runs. If that's the case, that on Sunday you're going to have a hard workout, try and see if this Saturday you can move to Sunday itself. So that means one day you um, do your 
um, four by four on Wednesday, and the next time you do it on a Sunday. And uh, maybe after after the first six weeks, you can include um, of including it once a week. After that, you can include like after six weeks of including once a week, you can look at trying this for twice a week and see if you are able to sustain that pressure and you're okay, and and then see your result at the end of twelve and eighteen weeks. And let me know how it goes. I hope this will be helpful and I hope um, this will help you improve your running performance. Let me know how it goes for you and uh, I'll be very happy to hear of your results. Next week, we'll, we'll be speaking again uh, solo and we'll be, pick, we'll be picking up another topic of interest within training domain or nutrition domain. And until then, keep running, keep listening to Run With Fit page. And if there are any questions, do not forget to reach out to me on social media or via email. Absolute pleasure speaking with you guys and an absolute honor to be able to bring knowledge and information to you that helps you in your running performances. Keep running and keep being safe. I will speak with you guys next week again. Bye.